0: This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Darrell Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie
1: Martin.
2: me, oh, Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land.
1: Well, hey, Jared Wilson. It's good to be here with you for another ep of The Art of Pastoring. How's it going? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: How you been? Been doing okay. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Since the last time <laughs> we spoke. Jean ja- you got the jean jacket on today. I got the
1: jean jacket on. You have your requisite hoodie. Without a That's hat, right. though. There's no hat.
0: So No. Sorry. Remember how
1: crazy it was a couple weeks ago when I was wearing a hat and you didn't even know what to do with that information. You know?
0: that, that was crazy. That visual it really list. threw me off, actually, because I'm just not used to <laughs> it's just, seeing you with some It just some totally it on.
1: completely affected the, the episode. <laughs> well, man, I was thinking about, we were talking and one of the things we said, I think we talked about this a few months ago, but when we talked about sort of the tone that we wanted these episodes to have, one of the things we said is we don't want every episode To just be sort of negative and dark and here's what's wrong with ministry and here's here's what we're facing in terms of the hardships of pastoral ministry but when we started the podcast and the reason why we wanted to call it the art of pastoring is because pastoring is more art than it is science in in that respect right but what i was thinking of in regards to the art of pastoring as, as we're talking about it from that perspective is how often we find ourselves not leaning into what I think is foundational to pastoring, which is the love of God. And so we wanted to talk about, just so spend a few minutes today to talk about what it means to lean in to the love of God as pastors, as ministry leaders, and how do we do that? So when I I, I know you recently wrote a book about love.
2: Yeah. And I don't know how much
1: that, that will feed into this, but when I talk <laughs> about leaning into the love of God, what man, what is the first thing that that surfaces in your mind?
0: Well, just take two steps back. Okay. Because one thing that you mentioned in kind of our pre-show conversation was we don't talk about this very much, or it's right. not a very popular subject. Even you mentioned even Dane Ortlands' book, which we've talked about on on the podcast before gentle and lowly it came out and everybody stoked about it everybody loves it and then it's kind of like we move on not that we're going to camp out around a book but just the subject matter is sort of like oh that's a nice reprieve yeah from business as usual and my question just has set sort of a mm. i guess to set up the ensuing conversation is why is that the break yeah And not the business as usual. So why don't we talk about the love of God? Why don't we talk about resting in Him? Why don't we sort of hang out there instead of what we typically do, which is treat that as a, oh, that was a nice refresher, a good reminder. Now let's go back to— Let's get
1: back to business. Whatever
0: we're doing, the ministry technology of the thing. So why are we bent that way? Why does it seem like it's such a a rarity or— just sort of an odd thing to talk about the love of god i mean because i'll be honest yesterday when you said because i said you picked the topic what are we going to talk about you said the love of god and i and i did just write a book on (laughs) on love that comes out this fall but even i was like what are we gonna say about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're answering our own question right now the love of god like what? (laughs) how do
0: you do 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 a whole 30 minutes on on that (laughs) right when so, it, why, why am I like that? Why are we like that? Well, I think it's,
1: yeah, man, and that is so funny. Like, how can we do 30 minutes on that when, in essence, if we just had a podcast called The Love of God, we should oh, be able to the riff on Oh, it's the theme of it. the
0: Bible. It, <laughs> the it's, God, fa- it's, you
1: know? it's foundational. Well, one of the things we said was that the love of God through Christ, I mean, th- that has to be the foundational motivation and inspiration. It's the reason why we breathe and we have our very being. It's because of the love of, of God for us through Christ. And... So I think it's our default, though, as pastors, as ministry leaders, to just sort of put that up on the shelf. It's almost kind of like if you were to sit down with your spouse or you were to sit down with your parents and you were to say, hey, let's talk about the love that we have for each other as a way to make sure that our, you know, all the things we're doing are coming out of the right heart. You, just, you might just kind of say, yeah, 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 look, we get it. We, we love each other. That's an unspoken. That's an assumption. So let's just get back to doing what we need to do to make sure that we're functioning in our roles. When in reality, man, we we probably are functioning at, at some kind of a deficit because I think our human default, our tendency is just to say, yeah, 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 I know God loves me. And I know that that's a foundational element, but can we just move on to the pain points? I know Paul talked about this in Romans 8, and there's something that sort of sparks our imagination about that. And it can even sort of like, do something to our heart in the moment in terms of motivating us and giving us some sense of, like you said, reprieve and relief, but really just let me get back to the things that I want to do or the things that I'm struggling through rather than just saying, hey, am I resting in? Am I am I contemplating? Am I focusing on? Am I letting the the love that God has for me today be my everything? Is this in fact my all? And why isn't it my all if it's not my all? Well, because I think the human condition is to default back into other loves, which is why Tim Keller talks about the reordering of our loves. So, by us kind of talking about the love of God, in a sense, we're saying, hey, let's reorder let's reorder our, our pastoralness around the thing that actually needs to be at the center of it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think where my mind goes is to Just the concept of gospel centrality, which is so paramount in all that I do, preaching and teaching and writing and everything else, because what is the gospel except the announcement that God so loves sinners Mm. that he sent Christ? The news is itself an announcement of the deepest love that we all long for, and few of us dare to dream as possible, but most human beings think is not really possible or is not possible from a God. And so that's why we're searching it in so many, as you said, different kinds of loves, romance and other things. And so where where my heart goes is to say, this should be the dominant theme of our ministry. We should be reminding ourselves and others of God's love constantly. And I, I think part of the problem is we have this fear of giving people permission to take, love for granted. Like if we talk about love too much, we're being, I don't know, antinomian in some way, mm. or we're, it's a big lovey-dovey fest. We really got to make sure we crack the whip of the law a little bit more. And and then I just think in the in, in the day-to-day ministry life, we will settle for the appearance of love from others. We talked about codependency in our last episode, and we've kind of touched on this subject in other episodes as well. Yeah. But we're looking for approval, validation, as pastors, and we'll try to get that from the swelling of attendance to encouraging feedback or just the work itself. We find our identity in performance and production and that sort of thing. And it's probably because the announcement of God's love, which answers that cry that mm. we actually have, seems so you know, it's on audio, not on video. <laughs> yeah. And it seems too ethereal or it's news. And so it feels less real, maybe. We have yeah. a fear that it will feel less real. I don't know. I, I think maybe that's...
1: Like what I'm hearing from you is that there is, there's something about God's love that we kind of remove it from having any sort of like practical yeah. kind of place in our lives. And it, and it almost feels less tangible. Like, okay, I get that God loves me, but it's something that's more out there than in here. Even though we would say theologically and intellectually, of course, the love of God is in me. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is there to reassure me of it, to remind me of it. But it's really something that, kind of like what you said at the beginning of the pod, which is it's something that's there in reserve when I need it instead of being the actual fuel that is constantly, like, flowing through my veins that is strengthening me to do literally everything that I need to do, Yeah. right?
0: And, I mean, what a difference maker to be conscious of that. Yes. I mean, what difference would it make to be more mindful of that it's oxygen. You yeah. Know? It's not just the Gatorade on the sidelines. But exactly. Yeah. It's the it's the very air that you're breathing. It's the very energy that you have. What difference would that make for the pastor in his day-to-day life?
1: I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week, and we were talking about, and this is where it can get ethereal, right? But this is where I think that we can be helped if we start thinking about imagination. We have passages like more than we can ask or think, right And then we go into, again, I, I think I already referenced Romans A, but we talk about this this almost unimaginable love that God has for us, right. And it goes beyond even our comprehension. We can only comprehend it to the point that we can comprehend it, right with our limitations. But I wonder if something that would be helpful for us in our roles is if imagination can be more a regular part of how we can to spend time reflecting in contemplation, imagining just how much and how deep and how wide and how intricate the love of God actually permeates our lives. Should that be something that as pastors, like we spend time doing, like just take some time and imagine how deep the love of God fills our hearts, fills our lives so that it's outworking in us is even beyond what we can think. In fact, it's helping us in ways right now on this pod Us talking to each other, sharing the same spirit, like the love of God is actually, there's a glue there that might be helping us and motivating us more than we can even imagine right now. I mean, how helpful is it for us to even think of it in that way, do you think?
0: I think it's super helpful. And I think also one way to kind of fight against that sort of the ephemeral nature of it or the ethereal nature of it is really just to see historically and doctrinally kind of put words on it, put some skin on it, that the love is an actuality, the love of God, because God himself is love, so you have the reality of God. We are in him, we live and move and have our being, therefore in love we live and move and have our being, because God in his Trinitarian self is love, the Father's love for the Son and vice versa and for the Spirit and the community of love that existed before anything else existed. So love is coming to us through the doctrine of God. So even this dry theology that we look at and the faith statements that we have on our website and and church bylaws and all of that is in essence a love story. The reality of God, the doctrine of God yeah. is is yeah. the announcement of a pre-existing eternal love and the sending of the son of course is uh, an act of love. It's it's out of God's love for the world that he sent his son. It's out of their love for us that he sends the spirit after his ascension. I think if we're able to kind of tie the concept of love to these realities, that they are embodied mm. in a sense, well, not just in a sense, but in the you know incarnations, like <laughs> literally embodied, this love has skin on, that helps. I'll reveal just how weird I am. And I've shared this in oh, a few boy. messages <laughs> over the last few months as I've been preaching. One thing that's been helpful to me in terms of relating to Jesus is is to remember that he's a real person that he's an actual person yeah so i try to impress upon people like when you're praying remember that he's a real person and just because he's invisible to you doesn't mean he's not real what helps me think about so he's incarnate and he's ascended he's glorified but he's still incarnate yeah right so he's taking up physical space somehow in heaven we don't know how that works someday perhaps we will But it's a higher dimensional space. But he is there in body. We can assume Elijah is there in body, perhaps, and Enoch, perhaps. But Christ is still incarnate, risen, glorified, incarnate. Therefore, Jesus, I like to think of his arm hair. (laughs) (laughs) I I know people think, like, I'm weird. It sounds a little creepy. Yeah, it does.
1: In fact, it does.
0: Okay. Well, but it helps me because I think I pictured Jesus' arm (laughs) hair— And it helps me realize he's a real guy, like he's a real person. I mean, I, you know, I don't know exactly what his arm looks like, but he has an arm that's going to be able.
1: Yeah, an arm is an arm, right? An <laughs> arm
0: is an arm. It's gonna, it's gonna go around my shoulder someday. Yeah. So I, I picture that in my head, and I wonder if just little mental exercises like that, as weird as that is, and and, and mine doesn't have to be yours. You can think of something else, but appreciate that to, to remember that love is is a person. Yeah. It's not just this ethereal virtue, that that all the virtues, in fact, he himself is our peace, yes. the New Testament says. So all of these virtues are embodied in Christ. That's super helpful to me. So just because I can't see him doesn't mean he's not real, that he can't be touched. You know, yeah. someday I will see him face-to-face, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. So we will see, we will know as we are known. That is super helpful to me. I mean, is there a time that you can think of Where this reality, not necessarily, you know, the physical incarnation of Christ, but just the reality of God's love was just really comforting to you or just really resonating with you in a time of the course of your ministry where you just felt, oh man, if it weren't for the love of God, wow, where would I be?
1: What you just said is well said in the sense that the love of God gets us back to Jesus every time right? Because he is the incarnation of the love of God made manifest, you know, all of those things. I think what we're really talking about is that when we talk about leaning into the love of God, we're talking about leaning into the son of God. We're talking about leaning into Jesus, which is how we know God's love most tangibly. And I think I've just felt that from people. There's something you said made me think about the fact that when we we talk to older women and men that have been walking very closely with Jesus for longer than we have. They've sort of experienced this level of sanctification that that I'm not quite at yet. And they have this level of settledness to them, this type of wisdom, which kind of manifests itself in a, a confidence in God and his promises and the way that he has just consistently acted and responded in their life. One of the things that you seem to see is that they're sort of overwhelmed and they're taken in by the love of God. And it's something that they talk about like far more than probably me and you talk about, which is yeah. why like this pod was weird. And they said, <laughs> what, the love of God, Ronnie, what, do, what are you saying? What can we say for 30 minutes on that? But it's something that seems to sort of like flow out of them a little more freely and consistently than it maybe does for us. And I think that we had an elder a few years ago that moved on, moved to another state, but he was somebody that exhibited like the love of God. Just, it just came out of him all the time. And so everything that he said and the way that he kind of postured himself around me, it was like I would say the most overwhelming characteristic of this dude in particular was love and the love of God. So I experienced it in ways that I had never experienced it around anybody else when, man, if I just was having a week of it or I was having a hard time or I was just confused or I had just had questions, like his presence in that wasn't necessarily always so instructive as much as, as it was just a reassurance that not really just that that he was there, that he loved me, but, but that, hey, remember who loves you, like remember who is for you and remember who is listening to you and sitting with you and patient with you and has compassion with you and is joyful over you it was always just sort of like enveloped in the love of god communicating it with the sense that hey ronnie really all you need to know buddy is that god loves you and he yeah. loves you so much that i don't even have words to explain it because it's not really something that can be contained it's so overflowing." It's like a fountain that we can't even get our eyes on because it's so overwhelming and overflowing. And I experienced that through Him, and I've never forgotten that, and I want to remember it more consistently, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Those words, just you know, the words themselves, you know, I love you, from— the right person at the right time can be so powerful. It's and, and Sometimes surprising. I don't know if I've shared this before on the podcast or not, but I used to close our services at my last church. We'd have the benediction and we'd sing the doxology, and then I would say before I dismissed the congregation, I would say, "I love you." Yeah. You know, I didn't do that for every year that I was there, but there was a time when I started it. Probably you know a couple of years before I left. And I said it every Sunday at the end of the service. The first time I did it, you could see in the congregation, people were like, did he just say?
1: (laughs) As if that's a weird thing, right? People were like
0: looking at each other like, we've never heard that before. Yeah. And that didn't dissuade me. So the next week, I mean, I said it again. I love you. You're dismissed. And you could see on their faces, oh, this is going to be a thing. Like he's going to do this now. And I did it the next week. And then after a while... I started hearing it back. I'd say, "I love you." You're dismissed, and people would say, "We love you too." You know, yeah, I would come and, back and to it, it was such a yeah. sweet thing. And I once shared that I was on a panel with some other pastors, some well-known men, in fact, some guys that our listeners would recognize. And I shared that little anecdote, and one of the guys made fun of me. He's like, "I can't imagine saying that." And then he made fun. He said, "I love you," like you know, he was mocking me. Wow. Or whatever. And, of course, I shot back immediately to say, you know, some of us are just more pastoral than others, <laughs> I, I, I guess.
1: Gosh, I want to um, see this brawl. I want to see this yeah, panel but, brawl.
0: Yeah. You know, to which he laughed. He's a friend of mine. so. But it's a serious point. And, and the follow-up that I made to my sarcastic response to his mockery was that there are people who come into the church service yeah. on a Sunday morning who have not heard I love you from anyone in their life for who knows how long. At least a week. Yeah. At least a week. But in their own life, they're not hearing it from their spouse or their kids or or their parents. They don't hear, I love you. And then you have someone who effectively speaks for God. In the context I was in, there was very much this, rightly or wrongly, the understanding or the perception of the pastor as he's the man who speaks for God. Yeah. And to have that person say, on behalf of God and, and on behalf of myself, I love you that can make a significant difference in someone's life. It, it can give them a different perception of who God is, even. It can help their understanding of God and his love, I think.
1: Well, you know, it's so interesting you say that. And now we're going to pat each other on the back a little bit here. I, don't, <laughs> okay. I, I think this is where we share some commonality. So it was years ago, and I don't remember when, that I closed every service with telling the congregation that I love them. Okay. And so yeah, something that I put into practice for years now. It was like you, I remember the first time I said it, it shouldn't have, but it felt awkward. I was fearful of the reaction, or I was i was fearful that they were going to think that I wasn't being genuine. And then it very quickly became something that as I said it, as I practiced it, and as it's coming to the end of a sermon, it even shapes the way I end some sermons now, because I know I'm going to tell them that I love them. I've also seen that if my elders are up there Doing something as part of the service, whether it's communion or they end with a benediction some Sundays, they finish now by telling the congregation that they love them. My worship leader now, I've caught him now in the act.
0: There you go. It's a big love fest. It's a
1: big love (laughs) fest, man. And so it's interesting because it's also changed. I've noticed that what it does is it it frees up some of the conversations I have with people even afterwards to where, whether we're just talking about life or the sermon or just how you're doing. We give each other a hug back when we used to give each other hugs. And I will find them because I've given them freedom now for that to be sort of allowed and permissible. They'll say, hey, thanks for the sermon. And before they leave, they'll say, hey, love you. What Mm -hmm. happens now is that it's become part of the language of the church just to be able to freely say, I love you. And man, I'm telling you that. And you experienced this for sure. Like that does something to the heart of the people that you're preaching to letting them know that you love them because you know that you're loved and you know that, man, hopefully at some point in every sermon, the love of God is preached, it's talked about, it's reminded, even in all the instruction and all of those things. It's like, hey, at the end of the day, we need everybody to remember that we're loved by God and you're loved by the pastor who's loved by God. And by the way, you're, you're also loved by other people in the congregation. What a flavor to have just kind of be all pervasive in our churches, I think it has to start somewhere, right? It has to be something that we become intentional about. So we go back to what we talked about earlier, which is, hey, how do we more focus and imagine God's love for us? But I think one of the ways we can do that is maybe put it into regular practice in how we interact with our people, right? Or the people that we're, we're face-to-face with.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the only thing that can kind of dissolve or or erode The experience of the "I love you" is, if you're challenging their ability to believe it by not acting in loving ways, right? So, (laughs) you know, the person who treats you like dirt and then says, "But you know, I love you," right? Or I, you know, you're like, "No." (laughs) Actually, (laughs) right now I don't know that
1: you love me. Yes,
0: (laughs) right. So, I mean, I think even if you're not going to say "I love you," I mean, I think it's really important and significant to say "I love you." But if you're acting in loving ways actually loving people is much better than saying it yes and it's certainly worse to not act like you love somebody and and then to say it because you're undercutting or you're you've made yourself a hypocrite and you're and I think confusing people but if they believe that you actually love them then to say it has significant meaning I think
1: do you think that part of the act of loving people though is verbalizing it you know, oh for because, sure because Christ verbalized his love that, of course, he had for people in ways that we, we are not going to always have.
0: Yeah, so I discovered this, however, as I was preaching on the love of Christ from John chapter 13, which became kind of the seed that grew into the book that I wrote, which really covers 1 Corinthians 13. But this, this passage in John 13, which begins with the statement, Having loved his own who were in the world, oh, yeah. he loved them to the end. And it made me think, how aware of Christ's love were those disciples? Like, yeah. I think we take for granted that that they knew that he loved them. So I went looking, like, where does he say, I love you, to these disciples? And it doesn't occur until John chapter 13. Wow. He might have said it and it just wasn't recorded, but in none of the Gospels— does he ever say, I love you, or some variation of that, until John chapter 13. We can assume that they knew that he loved them, but he doesn't say, he talks about love a lot. John John's gospel in particular has a lot yeah. about love, God's love for the world and our love for God and love the Lord your God, all these sorts of things. But in terms of him saying, like verbalizing it to his followers, we don't have it recorded until John chapter 13, which is a long way to go. <laughs> yes. you know, when you're Peter laying awake at night, after the day where Jesus called him the devil, right? You know, (laughs) know, get behind me, Satan. You don't think Peter's laying awake, looking at the ceiling thinking, man, he called me the devil today. Like, (laughs) does this guy actually love me? I think it's important to verbalize it, but I also think it's extremely important that people, I want to say feel loved. I think sometimes you can love someone who doesn't feel it. So I don't want to make the actuality of love dependent on how somebody feels But at the same time, if you're not actively loving your congregation, it's so empty then to say, I I love you. Just like in a marriage relationship, you say, I love you a lot. But if you're not actually loving the person, it's just a hollow phrase. It's It's just a a sentimentality.
1: I think that's a good word to end on is that in every way that we can press in to God's love, we do it verbally. We also act the miracle out, as John Piper liked to say, of God's love. So this love that we have that has been given to us at a cost, man, we press into that, man. We, we just, we like get under the, the shower of it as much as we can so that we are just, we're covered with it so that we actually have this genuine, authentic love to give to those who even are most unlovable in our lives. So that again, we have ministries that don't just keep love as sort of a conceptual thing on the shelf, but it, it, it's actually all pervasive, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the reminder, I think, for all of us, and it was for me as well. What is God's love in Christ like for me? He's patient. He doesn't have a limit. He yeah. doesn't say, all right, I thought you were better than this. I'm done with you. I thought you'd be an asset to the organization, but you're really kind of a mess. You know, He never turns it off. It's new every morning. The fact that he's like that to me was really kind of the right motivation and the help for me to be that to others as yeah. well and brother we got 30 minutes out of this
1: yeah we did we got over 30 minutes so we're doing well i'm, I'm, doing I'm well. proud of us yeah this is a too. good
0: this is a good subject yeah we should talk yeah, about a good, it a little more often maybe yeah. Maybe. Yeah, good job good job ronnie <laughs>
1: <laughs> well hey thanks uh thanks for listening guys you've been listening to the art pastor okay oh.
0: If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.